in his absence, I've been able to teach a couple of lessons on recovery, and so I'm excited about that. And they're timely because se September is National Recovery Month. SAMHSA has kind of dedicated this month for a number of years to kind of remind us and create awareness that recovery works. Recovery is a good thing, and it helps people. And people do recover, and we need to celebrate that. And another thing that we need to celebrate is our own Recovery for Life ministry has been in existence for 10 years. So in 2007, we started going over to Decision Point and working with people, and a number of those people have uh, made dramatic changes in their life. God has worked in their life. So I'm going to tell you about one of those stories at the end of my lesson, but in order to celebrate that, we want to invite you to come over and check out the class. Obviously not the whole congregation. We're in the serving room. But if you're curious about the class, if you'd like to, if you're not plugged into an ABC class and you want to check it out, this is kind of open house month, so you're welcome to come any day or all of the Sundays, any Sunday or all of the Sundays during September. We would love to have you. We've got donuts and coffee, by the way. Uh, but we'll kinda, we're just going to do our thing, but you can kind of drop in and see what it's like, so we want to invite you. So today I want to talk about coming home. Now, on the bulletin, the back of the bulletin and the thumbnail, you're going to see welcome home. I did that intentionally. Coming home and welcome home are kind of the same thing, but it depends on whether you're standing in the front yard and you're working up the nerve to go up to the door and knock at your mom and dad's house and you haven't been there for a long time or something, or your mom standing in the window peeking out the curtain, seeing your son standing out in the, in the yard, nervous, and you're nervous about seeing him again after so many years, maybe, something like that. But this welcome home idea or this coming home idea has both components to it. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm going to ask you to put yourself in both sets of shoes as we talk about this. So in recovery, one of the mantras, one of the things that they hear most often is in order to be successful in your recovery, you have to find new people, new places, and new things. You have to replace the old ones, the ones that were defective, the ones that were hurting you. You have to replace those with good and healthy ones. So that's kind of what we're going to be exploring this morning. And so there comes a time when it is crucial to become a new person, to remake yourself, to reinvent yourself. And you all know this is true. All of you that have children have had years where your child had a less than stellar teacher or they had a less than stellar uh, desk mate or somebody behind them picked on them or, or they made a stupid comment or something happened and they got labeled and they ended up having a bad year and you can't wait until the next year when they get a new class and you just hope that none of those old friends are in the class and they get a chance to start over they get a chance to remake themselves so we've all experienced that to some degree or another or teenagers, we've had teenagers and they make poor choices and they, they make bad decisions. They get running with the wrong crowd and they kind of get going the wrong direction and then they wake up and they say, man, I just wish I could start over again. I wish I could be a new person. And as an adult, it gets harder. It's easier to change when you're in first grade or kindergarten. It gets a little bit harder in junior high. It gets harder in high school. But when you're an adult, it's pretty tough. And we find ourselves trapped in sin. Could be lies, deceit, corruption. Could be at home or could be at work. It could be in any situation. It could be as simple as overeating or lack of exercise and you just kind of let yourself go and it becomes a lifestyle. 
Or it could be as serious as drugs and alcohol, pornography, existing in a codependent relationship. But those things begin to feel comfortable and they begin to kind of settle in. And to remake yourself, to become a new person is a monumental struggle. Would you agree? Okay. So we're going to talk about that today. If it's bad enough, sometimes you've got to relocate. I mean, sometimes you've got to move from here to there in order to get away from those old people, places, and things. How many people, how many students have ended up going to a different school to kind of get a restart? Or isn't there an automatic kind of restart when you go from grade school to middle school, middle school to junior high, junior high to high school? You get an opportunity every time you make one of those changes. People change churches. I know this is a surprise, but sometimes people change churches because they get it, they get kind of locked up or they get problems with some people in church. And it just is probably more successful. It's going to be more successful to even change churches. And so sometimes when it's that bad, you got to relocate. It's hard to make new friends. We all know that. And the older you get, the harder it is. But it's especially hard to make new friends when you're trying to remake yourself. So what is the church supposed to be? In the Bible, four or five times in the book of Acts, it describes the church as the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia is a composite word. It's actually made up of three parts. And it simply means, means the called out ones. The ones that are called out of the world. The ones that are called out of this other existence into the new existence, into the kingdom of God. And so when they're called into this new kingdom, how ironic is it that, now I want you to wake up and pay attention here, this is important. How ironic is it that there is a world full of people out there that are trying to remake themselves, trying to get a fresh start, trying to find new people, new places, and new things to do, and the church, if I can get it to work, the church is where God puts you after he remakes you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I mean, is it, is it kind of ironic to anybody else here but me that, you know, it almost seems like there's a perfect fit? It almost seems like that there is a match made in heaven right there, that the church is where God does this, and there's a world full of people out there looking to have this done. So why aren't we busting at the seams? Why are there any empty spots around us right now? Maybe that's not a practical question to ask. Maybe a better question to ask would be, how can we improve in joining each other on this journey? How can we join with others that are looking? Okay, now I'm going to kind of shift gears here, and I'm going to say, well, some of this is on them, and some of this is on us. But I recognize in saying that, that there's a real irony because there, no, there is no them in us. We are all sinners saved by grace. For we have all fallen short of the glory of God, haven't we? And so we all are messed up. We all have problems. We all have struggles. There's times in all of our lives where we need to remake ourselves. So we're all in this boat. But there's something different about some of us. And we're going to find out what that is. This is on them. This is on those that are still struggling. Sin is not just a moral choice or something that we choose and enter into lightly. 
It is often something that we grow into while we're trying to escape pain, shame, guilt, other things. And it becomes a lifestyle. And it's maybe that feeling of missing out, but we get into this lifestyle and it kind of sticks. You remember last week when we looked at Carly's story. And that wasn't something that she chose. That was something that she was born into. And she began to wear that like a label. And it was hard for her to get out of it, but she did get out of it. She came out of denial. You see, the problem is when you're trapped in the middle of the desert, no matter where you look, there's just more desert. The answer, the solution is not over the next sand dune, not over the next hill. Even if there's an oasis there, that's not good enough. Because sooner or later, you're going to have to leave the oasis and continue on. So if you're in the middle of the desert, the answer, the solution is in you. It is Christ in you. You've got to find God at work. Okay, now I know it's hard to make friends. I know it's hard to escape old habits. I know it's hard to see yourself as different. It's hard to feel capable. It's hard to feel worthy and equal to others when you feel such a mess inside. Nevertheless, you have to believe. You have to trust. You have to let God do his thing, which is to make you a new creation. Or not. You don't have to. It's not obligatory. You can choose not to. You can resist that. You can, you can reject that. But it requires intra, you remember last week, intra-personal intelligence, a willingness to come out of denial. You remember intra-personal is getting in touch with your feelings, your emotions, your motivation, your goals, your direction, and owning those and realizing that those are on you. That's your choice. That's your decision. You've got to be honest about it. Now, this is on us. Now, when I say us, I don't mean just the church. I mean the called out ones, the ecclesia, those that have been saved by grace, those that have accepted God's work in them. They've come out of denial and they say, I can't do this on my own. I am powerless over my addiction. I am powerless over the mess that I've made in my life. I need help. And I turn my will and my life over to God because God is the source of that help. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about us. So we are a place, the church, are we a place as the church where others can see themselves fitting? Can others outside trying to remake themselves, can they see themselves in here amongst us as being equal or the same or we're like them or they're like us or, or whatever? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22 that I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save them. Is that our goal? Is that our heart? So is it easy for people to make new friends here? Okay, this week's psychology lesson, not interpersonal relations, but intrapersonal intelligence. Intrapersonal is these six things. It's real simple. Listen. Do we listen and understand what others are saying and understand their point of view, where they're coming from? Are we able to communicate genuine, transparently, effectively, and exchange of ideas with others? Can we cooperate with others, work well towards common goals? Can we negotiate if there's conflict and differences? Can we work it out? Can we come together on common ground? Are we vulnerable enough to share our lives, share ourselves, enter into that space with that other person? 
Are we empathize? Are we able to empathize to understand others' feelings and needs? Now, these are very noble things and things that I think all of us try to achieve in our marriages and in our work environment and in our church all of the time. But would you all agree that this is difficult stuff? It's difficult stuff to do it right. So we're going to get a little help from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can. I'm going to have the scriptures on the screen. Now, Chris read these, so I'm going to go through these first two sections really quick. This is them, then, the Gentiles, the sinners, okay? They were living in the futility of their minds. Their darkened understanding, they were alienated from a life in God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Not ignorant like being dumb, ignorance because of the hardening of the heart, choice. But that's not the way you learned Christ. This is us now. You put off your old self and you become renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new self. There's a transition that takes place here. So how do you do it? This is how you do it. Do this. So he gives us six things, five things here. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So coming out of falsehood and living in truth, speaking truth into the lives of other people becomes part of who we are. We're going to look in here and we're going to see a transition from consumer to contributor, from taker to giver, from someone that's concerned about others and we want to contribute to them. One of the ways that we do that is we speak truth. We accept truth and we speak truth into situations that we're involved in and others' lives. The other thing is be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do you deal with your anger in sinful ways? Do you carry bitterness or resentment? Do you undermine? Do you criticize? Or can you overcome? Can you process that anger in a way to, to where you can encourage others? If you're a thief, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share. Go from a consumer to a contributor. Are we able to not steal, not just people's stuff, what about their time? What about their dignity? What about their self-worth? Are we able not to be takers, but to be givers and to replace that? How? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that is good for building up that fits the occasion, so it may give grace. In the new parenting classes that we're going to start, there's a section in there that's just so cool. And it's about being able to give your children courage for life because life takes courage, amen? And giving them courage, and it uses two common words that we use all the time. Encourage is giving them courage. Discourage is robbing them of courage. And I just thought, that's genius. That is so true. When we encourage people, we give them courage to face life. When we discourage people, we rob that courage, we steal that courage from them. And our words are the way that we communicate that. The words that we use with other people are how we encourage or discourage them. Are we trying to give courage or are we trying to steal courage? 
from our children, from our friends, from those God is bringing to us at our church. Last one, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God forgave you. This is the cornerstone. This is the pillar. This is the one that makes it all work. When you mess up all that other stuff that I just told you to do, and you will, I will, this is the one that keeps you on track. This is the one that keeps you going and keeps you from discouraging yourself. You're able to forgive yourself. You're able to forgive others. So in a nutshell, here's the deal. We speak truth. We stop sinning when we get angry. We stop stealing. We speak to build others up. We put away daily, every day we struggle with put away bitterness, wrath, anger, and malice. And we be kind and tender-hearted. We make that a goal. Kindness is one of the most powerful forces on the earth. I've decided. To just decide to be kind to your spouse. To just decide to be kind to your coworkers, To just decide to be kind to the people that you work with at church is a powerful, powerful thing. But the key to it all is forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. Do we get that? Do we really understand that? Because in that is a power that sets people free. That is a power that unleashes hope and courage and strength and stick to and all the things that we need in order to find success in life, inside and outside. So here's the deal in a nutshell. You are the new people, okay? You are the new people. This is the new place. And doing life together in Christ, that's the new thing. If we did that the way Jesus really wants us to do that, we would be busting at the seams. Because that's what everybody out there wants. They want a place where people can be honest and speak truth, where people can love, and where people can forgive, and where people can be vulnerable and admit, you know what, I am messed up too. I struggle too. I'm just like you. I haven't got it all together, although Janelle wrote me a funny text today. She said, I've just got a lot longer working on it, and she meant covering it all up to where she makes it look good. She, she makes it look really good, right? Janelle looks like she's got it all together until you get to know her, right, Ed? <laughs> I'm picking on Janelle because we're good friends, and I know that I can, but I could say the same thing of every one of you and myself and my family. It's the way life is. And if we deny that, we're living in denial. And we need to come out of denial. But once we come out, once we let Christ live in us, once we accept the truth and begin to speak it openly, things change. Life changes. I'm going to finish up. Last week I told you a story about Carly. And it was a true story, but I don't know Carly. I've just seen a video of her telling her life story. 
And so I was able to give, and I've seen that video so many times. We showed it last week in RFL. As a matter of fact, I was able to give you quite a few details of Carly's story because I've, I've, I've watched the video. But I, but I don't know her, and I haven't lived with her. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. I haven't. Okay, I'm not going to try to recover from that one. So, um, but there is somebody that I have spent time with. That would be a better way to say this. Um, a young lady that, that I've known for like six years. And it, this is a real-life story right here. And this young lady grew up in poverty. She grew up in a, in a small town, middle of Arkansas. Probably someone that a lot of you could relate to. She had a real struggle growing up. Her dad was an alcoholic and often gone on a lot of binges and just not there. And her mom did her best on a cafeteria uh, salary of raising the kids and trying to, to do what she could. But life in that little town was kind of, you know, whatever. Drugs were accepted. Drugs were common. It was just alcohol. It was just what everybody did. And this young lady kind of fell into that life. And she fell into that life deep enough to where it became who she was. It was a label that she wore. Not something she chose, not something she decided, I want to grow up like this. You just kind of get stuck, don't you? You get stuck because that's what everybody does. And you feel bad, you feel neglected, you feel crummy. And so it's a way of making yourself feel a little bit better. It might be that oasis out in the middle of the desert, you know, it, it's survival for a while, but sooner or later, you've got to leave that oasis and go someplace where you can really survive. Well, this young lady grew up, and she had children, and um, she made some bad choices along the way, but she got to the point to where, in 2010, she, she met some people that preached Christ to her, and she got it. The light bulb came on. And she decided that, I can't keep living like this. I've got to make some changes in my life. But as God often does, he didn't just, you know, flip a switch and change your life overnight. It took a couple of years to kind of figure out, you know, how do I do this, this, new, this new life? How do I find these new people? How do I go to these new places? How do I do these new things? Well, she's one of the many that we've had a privilege of working with that found Decision Point. And she went through Decision Point and came out, and we got to know her, and we got the privilege of being able to work with her. And some of our ladies met with her and studied the Bible with her, and she got it. She began to see Christ with flesh on. She began to see godly examples of what God wants us to be, even though we're imperfect, even though we're, we're doing our best to try to pull this thing off. These ladies made an impression on her. But more importantly, they taught her the truth of Scripture. And the living and active Word of God began to live in her and began to show her that, hey, you can remake yourself. Or better yet, you can let God remake you. And your life can be very different than it has ever been in the past. And she gave in. She gave her life to Christ. She was baptized. But the incredible thing about this young lady, I've seen a lot of people do that. But they kind of seem to get stuck right there. 
And, and this young lady was able to move from just changing from a consumer to a contributor to really getting involved, really connecting, really plugging in to us. And I got a clue for you guys. We're kind of weird. You know, for people on the outside, they're not used to all this church stuff and all these church rules, unspoken rules that we have. We can seem kind of weird, and it's kind of hard to break into all of this, especially if you have low self-esteem, especially if you struggle with your image and your self-worth and your dignity, and then you're around all these people that clean up so well on Sunday morning, and they look so beautiful, and they look so good, and they talk like they got it all together. And it's hard to kind of break through that and see come to the realization that, you know what, they're just like me, or I'm just like them, and, and we're all in this together. There is no us or them. And this young lady was able to do that with the help of you guys. I want to say, I want to give kudos to this church, because of all the churches that I hear about, and that I know, and that I've been a part of, this church tries harder, and this church has been more loving and kind towards people, and really help people that are, that are at that point, that are ready to, to make that change and try hard themselves. And so, kudos, that's good. But this young lady, I, I often kid her a lot of times, and I call her a church lady, and she always laughs. And I mean that with a lot of love and a lot of admiration, because when I look at her, I can't tell the difference, and you may not be able to either. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you who it is. I've told her story, but she's going to tell her own story over in RFL in a little bit. And so if you're curious, if you want to hear it, you can come over there and join us. But suffice it to say that God working in us is powerful. And you remember where I started today with the us and them, and you're standing in the yard looking at the door, wanting to go home, or you're peeking out the window, seeing your son or daughter or whoever that person is out in the yard, wanting them to come home. And you want that more than anything in your life. But how hard is it? I mean, not all of you have been in that situation, but maybe some of you have, or similar situations. How hard is it when you're estranged, when you're separated, when you've been away for so long? How hard is it to go home? What kind of questions are you going to have to answer? What kind of apologies are you going to have to make? What kind of amends are you going to have to make? How's it going to go? Are you going to be rejected? Ooh. Fear of rejection, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so when you're standing there in the yard wanting to go in, or when you're standing inside wondering about yourself, how am I going to react when they do? That's the tension that Christ wants us to live in. That's life. I'm sorry. I wish I could sugarcoat it. I wish I could say it's different than that, but it's not. Life is uncomfortable a lot of times. That is if we're out there in the fray, if we're out there trying to do what God has called us to do. You can find your comfort zone. You can sit in front of your TV and eat pretzels and potato chips, and it's probably not too uncomfortable, but that's not too healthy either, is it? So I'm talking to people that know what I'm talking about. We want to live in that danger zone. We want to live in that uncomfortable area where we're struggling to speak truth. We're struggling to be used by God. We're struggling to make a difference in somebody's life. Or we're struggling to let people into our lives so they can speak truth into our life and make a difference in our life. So if you feel like that you've been touched by the lesson today, if there's a truth in this lesson from the scripture that we talked about, 
that kind of hits home and you feel like that you need to make a change or you feel like that you uh, want into that, that group, you know, that's saved by grace. They're all messed up, but they're saved by grace. Um, we'd be more than happy to tell you how to do that. Our shepherds are going to get up and they're going to go to the back there. They're there to pray with you and to help you in that journey. If there's anybody that wants us to pray for them that they've been sitting on the sidelines too long and they're ready to get back in the game, uh, come talk to us about that too and we'll pray with you and we'll try to help you figure out how to do that.